Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. It is always one of the honors of my life to come here. My life changes every time I come to this place, uh, the energy of this place, the love of, of uh, my family, and, uh, and it's wonderful. Help us, Lord. Energize us. Empower us today. Help us to understand the elements that empower what we believe. What a beautiful series uh, that our pastor has been in. And uh, give us those elements and help us to live them out. And may your people walk away with something that they have learned. Another coat of paint, as it were. Just a little bit more. Push it forward. In Jesus' name. Everybody out loud said amen. Say amen and clap your hands. Let me know you're with God and you're with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow. I feel like the, you know, I'm a grand, we're grandparents and, you know, I understand how grandparents are. Sort of like the lady who was uh, watching the parade come by. Small town parade, but there's a parade coming by and she looked. She had her eyes glued on her grandson like uh, Karen, who's not right, right there right now, had her eyes glued on her daughter. I watched her the whole time. She was on our, our uh, steward group. She, she was watching her daughter the whole time like nobody else existed. That's how we are with our children and grandkids, aren't we? Uh, but this lady was, she was standing, she was so excited. She saw her little Willie coming down. He was marching in the band. And she looked and she was really super excited because she said, Oh my God, my little Willie is the only one in step. Look! <laughs> That's how we are, aren't we? He's the only one in the whole band marching in step. That is highly unlikely, isn't it? You got a hundred people in the band and only your Willie doing it right. You know, statistically, that's not probable. But it is within, you know, the realm of probability that he could have been the one right. Only the band director knew. Just like with us, right? Sometimes you look like you're out of step with everybody. Only the band director know whether you're marching right or not. That could have been the order. The left foot first. That's what they say, left foot first, not the right. And everybody else might have started on the right foot. And little Willie got it right. Marching out of step with everybody. That's what Christians are called to, you know. You are called to be the one that your father looks at in the crowd and says, look at my girl. She's the only one marching to the beat. The world looks at us and says, don't, we don't need to be in the band. Because we always march out of step. We always play another note. Who knows? Maybe Lil Willie was here at a diff different drummer. Henry David Thoreau, very powerful man who just didn't march to everybody else's beat. You know, he... Um, he said, if a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it's because he's, he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. I love to hear that. People like to put you in their cookie cutter. The Bible says, don't let the world put you into their mold, stamp you like them. They'll do it to you, man, no matter what you do for a living. In preaching, they don't like me because I, I smile. Why, why, are you why are you mad at me? Because I'm happy that God is in me. 
and it shows up in me when the electricity, the, the, the spiritual electricity hits me, I, I say funny stuff. I don't know why. I don't plan it. There's nothing on the nose. It just comes out. And you're mad at me because I'm happy in the house of God. I don't get it. But I hear a different drummer from you. Can't let people stop you. Now, if you're weird and stupid and stuff, you need to listen. But I'm talking about if you heard from God. You know, if you heard from God, keep on going. You know, there's another man who heard a different drummer. He lived, gosh, probably 3,500 years ago. Man's name is Abraham. You know him. He's your dad. He's called the father of our faith. The one human being that showed us what faith was looked like. He's the prototype of what faith looks like on the earth when a person steps beyond and doesn't march by the same beat. He lived in Ur of the Chaldees. We know it now as Iraq. Uh, Ur still exists. I'm told when, when the Iraqi war happened, we heard they came, went through Ur. I think they call it Uhur, but, you know, we, we American. Thinking the United States is Ur. You are spelled Ur. All right? And uh, he left there. It was a very cosmopolitan area. Man, they were digging. They dug, excavated some stuff. They had beautiful fireplaces, indoor plumbing way back then. It was a beautiful city, a lot of people in it, and God said, go, leave. Lord knows I know how that felt. I left this amazing church in this amazing city 24 years ago. You can believe it. Looking at me, you can't tell, can you? <laughs> no. Uh, and you got to go do something else. A lady prophesied to me and felt like I was about to lose it when I left, about a year and a half or two after left here. And uh, she didn't know me from a second. Actually, she had been in a church here in this city 13 years before that. Didn't know me. She wasn't even from here. A Jewish woman who had received Jesus, she said, man of God, you stepped out of your security to stand in me. And she says, the Lord just told me. And she started laughing. She said, oh, the Lord just told me you shall receive the reward in this place. And I said, oh, my God, you can clap. Yeah. But that's what you do when you step to God's drumbeat, see? Abraham, look at Romans 4 and 22. It says, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Titled the message today, as you see it there, I think it says things that, what does it say? Things that empower your faith, what you believe. Yes, yeah, all of that. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just a living, new, living Bible version. Yeah, you didn't copy that off the internet? No, I didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, things that empower what you believe, the elements. There are three elements I found. Abraham lived by those elements. And as you listen today, and as our streaming audience, I guess I'm looking into the right camera. If not, point to the right one. That's you are the one. Okay. God bless you all for being here today. Thank you. Uh, you, you probably couldn't make it today. All right. You at Bedside Baptist, a great church. <laughs> church of the inner spring. I get that. I understand. <laughs> I am glad you are here with us today. And, uh, and I pray there be something that we say that will bless your life. Everything that's gone on so far should be enough to 
to give you enough to move on. So God bless you. God keep you as we uh, continue today. Thank you for joining us. Now, what does it take to process, process you from weakness to strength? Because everybody here is weak in some kind of way. You know that, right? You're weak in some kind of way and you need strength. God makes sure there's always a lean inside. That's why the old folks, they still say it. And we should be saying, prop us up. Come on. On every lean inside. If you're Baptist, you would have known it right away. <laughs> prop us up on every lean inside. And we lean. Every one of us does. But what does it take to get us from weakness to strength or from a dream to fulfillment? God gave us the best human example he could give us in Abraham. We learn of three simple. Uh, simple principles that uh, are necessary and they bring life to what you believe. I want life in what I believe. I don't want to just say this is my opinion. God is not impressed because it's your opinion that Jesus rose from the dead. It's not an opinion. It's not a leap of faith. No, it's jumping off your high horse into the Lord's arms. It is a it is a confident jump off the cliff of your life into his arms. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is provable. It is one of the most proven facts of all antiquity. It is something that happened. It happened in history. It's not some kind of fairy tale. And life needs to come to that belief. You know it's the right drumbeat in your life when there is truth about it. You sense that there is truth in what God is telling you about your life. He'll point you out. He'll point it out. He'll show you where you're, you're weak. He'll give you experiences that show you. He'll show you unflattering truth about yourself. And the trip is that God doesn't mind doing that. You ever notice he doesn't mind showing you to yourself? That's why God gives us teachers and mentors. Thank God for my pastor. Sometimes when I see that ID box on my phone, I say, oh, Lord. But most of the time, he's, he's encouraging. He cheers me on. You saw him right now. You know, he was on, on, the, video, on the video there. I said, my Lord, he, he thinks that much of me. But there come those moments. There's a minority of the moments. They feel like they're all the time when they happen. Isn't that right? When you have a mentor... I call them tormentors, not mentors. <laughs> you need them because they are never super impressed with what you do. They're happy. You know, there's something I'm learning right now. I'll tell you about it later. Maybe I'll show you one day. But I'm learning, and I got this guy who was, who's one of the best at it. And, um, you know, I show him what I, I knew, and he says, uh, 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 that's good, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try this the next time. And then he'd say, don't do that. What, this? Yeah, that. Well, what else should I do? Just don't do that. I don't know. Just don't do that. N never super impressed. That's what coaches do and teachers do, and they all, they encourage you, but they, they help you to see the unflattering truths of your life. You know, everybody in here has blind spots. You know stuff you don't see? Bruh, why do you think you got a wife? <laughs> you can't see everything. Why do you think you got a husband and kids? You know, you teach your kids something, and you do the same thing you told them not to do the next day, and they look at you and walk away, and you know what you just learned. 
blind spots, unflattering stuff. Then there's trust. You have, when you know the truth, you have to trust it and to trust the, the object of it. Trust God and move on. Trust God's drumbeat. And then as you trust him, you tenaciously keep on going. Abraham stopped a couple of times, stopped more than a couple of times. But he got back up and kept going. That's why he's called the father of our faith. He's an amazing man. And so there are three elements. There's, can you say them after me? Truth, trust, and tenacity. Say them together with me. Come on. Truth, trust, and tenacity. Say them all together by yourselves. Come on. Now let's talk about the painful uh, and unflattering truth that we have to learn about ourselves. The truth is that most truth is hard truth. <laughs> you ever notice most things are true? You're uncomfortable with them? Because we're always comfortable with stuff that's not true. We're comfortable with the things that hide us. And we're uncomfortable with the things that reveal who we are. The reason why we gather certain people around us that love us is because they see that unflattering stuff and they hang in there anyway. That's what you call loving somebody. That's what you do in marriages. That's what you do in your family. That's what you do in your church. You don't get up and leave just because somebody pointed out something. How many people have left when I looked at them in the eye and said, no, that can't happen here because this is not in line with that. And... I've been told, and I believe it's so, that I'm supposed to, <laughs> I have to be exercised enough and mature enough to get to that place to be able to say to some men and women of God, uh, what you're doing is not God's will and you need to stop it and change it. I've been told by the Lord that some will like it and some won't, but they will know they heard the word of God. That's all I got to care about because there's only one audience that I am trying to impress, you know? Him. And when I'm, I'm clicking all, how many cylinders? 12, they had 12 cylinder cars, I've heard, but eight cylinders, what we normally used to, you popping all eight, four if you got a small car, it's fine. Just as long as you're hitting on all of them. Hit on all your cylinders, and God will show his, his, his pleasure with your life. Truth, trust, tenacity, unflattering truth about their life. See, it's, very, it's the very hard truth about your situation that if you acknowledge it, will position you for success. You know, it's not what's great about you that's going to make you fail. You got that figured out yet? It's not the awesome stuff that's going to run you off the road. It's the stuff you don't, you're not up to snuff in. If you have a barrel, big old barrel, putting water in it, and you got a hole, big old hole halfway up, you're not going to fill it up. You might have the nicest, highest quality barrel in the world, but it will only go as high as the weakest part. And so the job is to fill that hole. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? That's unflattering truth. Every one of us has holes. Every one of us leaks. All of us leak. That's why you need to be around the house of God, around the word of God, around the people of God. You leak. Young lady recently came to uh, my wife and I, and uh, she wanted some advice. I'm impressed with her. She would come almost every week. I just need you to pray for me. I just want you to pray. She had been homeless. Just really bad stuff had been happening in her life. Just terrible stuff. 
And for some reason, God melted our hearts for her, and we've decided as a church, don't call her a project, but it's our project to work on her so that poverty will end in a place where there's no poverty anymore. That's what we want to do for her. God showed us her. And she would come, she'd come. Don't ask for anything special unless she's really in need. You offer certain things, she won't take them. But she's that kind of lady, so I really liked her. And she came, I want you to pray for me, I want you to pray for me. This is happening. And uh, my wife said, when's the last time you, and I won't call the habit because, you know, I might call her out. When's the last time you did that? Oh, man, that was, that was just last Saturday. And then this was Wednesday, all right. Oh, man, that was way back Saturday I did that. And she looks at her. As only Sandra can go, eh. And we said pretty much together, you need to find a place, a way where that stops in your life. She looked at us and she's really humble. She smiled and looked and said, yeah, mm-hmm. That's easy for you to say. And that jerked me on the inside because I've heard too many people too many times say that to me. That's easy for you to say. Which, like, it's almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's easy for you to say. Well, you know what I said, and I think I wrote it down there. My response was this. It's easy for us to say because in that area we did the work that eventually made it easy for us to say it. Now, you're going to penalize me because it's easy for me to say. It was easy for God to say it. You're going to penalize him? Tell him that. And we do that to him all the time. And I'll so that's easy for you to say, we down here in this mess. What do you think I did when I sent my son down here in this mess? That's the beauty of Christianity. Nobody else sent their son down here and, and subjected him to the mess. We jumped him into our gang. And he died under the punishment. And then jumped up from the gray grave and jumped us into his gang. Hey, huh? That's easy for you to say. Yeah, it is easy for him to say. He paid the price to be able to say it. And that's our job in life. That's what you do for your children. That's what you do in your job if you supervise anybody. If you live your life around your friends, do what it takes. Act like a, 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 a pit bull, rottweiler combination if there's such a thing. And dig in and do what it takes to overcome yourself so that it becomes easy for you to say. Now, how many fitness videos are you going to watch where somebody don't look like they've been doing too many exercises? <laughs> we want somebody look that ripping, man. You know, they got it. Like me. You know what I'm saying? I put on this thick coat so you don't see it all. So you can be able to concentrate during the message. Sandra, am I telling the truth, girl? Don't lie in church. All right. <laughs> She'll say anything nice. She just loves me. But the time is coming. Praise God. You look at somebody who kind of kind of ripped, man. They like know what they're doing. Like they've been there. Our Lord has been there. And it's easy for him to say. An unflattering truth was realized by Abraham. And um, it's recorded in Romans 4, 19. Second part of that verse. I believe I have it down on your uh, notes. At about 100 years old, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Now, that's kind of wrong. Listen now. 
God knew before this man was born that he was going to be processed to the place where he'd be called the father of many nations and the father of our faith. He is our example of faith. Why in the world would he disappoint that man? They probably got married pretty young. She's probably a beautiful woman, you know, but couldn't have any children. Decade. Come on. After. After. Decade after decade after decade, this man, there was twilight. It was in the fall, the fourth quarter. And God reminded him again, the same thing I told you before, it's going to happen. His wife was back in the tent. God showed up this time. Said three angels, but this was a theophany. One of those persons was God himself. Because it's almost like the Bible slipped and said, and God said to him, what do you mean? It was three people talking. It was almost as if they all three were talking at the same time. I'm not saying the Trinity showed up, but it's really interesting what showed up. It was God. He knew somebody bigger than him was there. And he said, your wife is going to have a baby by this time next year. She was off in the, in the tent and go to my... <laughs> she probably laughed. At, I mean, come on now. She probably was laughing at Abraham for a few years. Would you, can you go lay down. <laughs> I can't give and you can't give me to give to you. It's the best way to say it, I guess. Go lay down somewhere. She probably laughed. So she was in the habit of snickering. And she heard these guys show up and say she's going to have a baby. She snickered. Probably not really, like under her breath. And they were way off there. Probably as far as way over there. She goes, man, God will pull the cover off of you. He said, and he probably, he obviously said it loud enough for her to hear. So, Abraham, why'd your wife lie? <laughs> she said, uh, I mean, why'd your wife laugh? I'm sorry, why'd your wife laugh? And she said, no, 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 I, no, man, I didn't, I, no, who, what, me? I didn't laugh. She said, oh, no, you laughed. And the beautiful thing about it is that a year later she had a kid, and God said, name that kid laugh. Because you know that's what Isaac means in Hebrew, right? Isaac means laugh. That's why he named it. Who's going to get the last laugh? It's going to be God. He's going to get the last laugh in your life. And all of you will walk into the sunset laughing together. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Yes, it's going to happen. If you trust him. His body, God waited all those years. Why does God have to wait till it's too late? You ever notice that by God? That's why y'all get mad at him so often. Man, God, when I want it, come on, I want it what they say on the commercials. I want my money and I want it now. <laughs> That's you. I want it now. That's exactly why God doesn't give it to you now. Because now is not the time. Kids come up there do it to you all the time. Why do you think kids come into your family to show you what you look like when you talk to him? That's why kids show up. To show you what you looked like back then and what you look like now talking to God. I want it now! And when you can learn how to wait, you know you're starting to grow up. This is when you're really starting to grow up. When you ask for it and you never get it. And you love him anyway. You know, yeah. Love him anyway. And you like him anyway. That's when you're really grown. You love him and you like him. You know how much Abraham didn't receive when he was alive? 
He didn't see these many nations. Man died. Hebrews talks about it. Some of these people died not receiving the promise, but they died in faith. They died believing God. Whew. Man, if you could get to that place. Let me tell you, God starts ordering your thoughts so when you start asking for stuff, it's stuff he wants you to have. If you trust him and ask him for something and don't get it, and you're happy with him and with the world and with your life, he will make sure your, all, your thoughts turn to the place where you, the reason why you asked for it was because he put it in your mind in the first place. What do you think it means when it says he'll give you the desires of your heart? You think there's every little whim you come up with? That's not what that means. That means he'll give you the desire in your heart. And you start wanting something. You say, Lord, I feel like I'll die if I don't get it. That's because I gave it to you. And anything he gives you to desire, he's going to give it to you. If you just believe the truth about yourself, trust him at all costs, and are tenacious as a pit bull rockweiler combination. Amen. Come on, clap your hands. It's all right. You ever had a hard reality about your condition? <laughs> Just step up on your porch and ring your doorbell. If you ever become painfully aware of the high price that you were required to pay to gain access to something you wanted. Things that are worth it got to cost you something. But Pastor Greg, I've always been told that salvation is free. Let me help you. It's free because it don't, don't cost money. That's what it meant. Salvation is free because it doesn't cost money. Do you understand that salvation will cost you your life? Your life is far more valuable than money. Who would give something in exchange for his own soul? You got to give your soul to God. Sell it totally to him. Free? Are you kidding me? It costs you everything. Cost you, you. Galatians says, I am crucified with Christ. You think that's free? Nevertheless, listen, I'm crucified. Nevertheless, I live. How'd you work that, Lord? Which one of you kicked me? When you kicked me, Lord? Chris Rock, I mean, Chris, what is Chris Tucker? I didn't do it good. Which one of y'all kicked me? <laughs> kick him so fast. Bam, God, to kick you, man. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Ghost, which one of y'all kicked me? You know, uh, wow. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm alive. Wait a minute, I'm crucified. I'm supposed to be dead, but I'm alive. He said, yet it's not me who's alive, but it feels like me. It looks like me in the mirror. I know. He said, yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. Boy, talk about surgery. He changed your spiritual personality, and you didn't even know what was happening. Stole your soul and gave you his. Boom. Just like that, you are a new creature in Christ. Yeah. Nevertheless, I live. And the life I live now, I live it by faith in the Son of God, believing in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Yeah. It costs you everything and will cost you everything every day of your life. It's strange how human beings want to pay a price. We always want to work for God to be, improved, to be uh, pleased, to please him. Every one of us try to live by the law. 
We under grace try to live by the law. Um, I got to earn. I don't, I don't feel like I deserve. You don't deserve anything. Let's make it real clear. Anything you got is because God gave it to you. Any truth you know is because God told you. Any heaven you get to is because God let you in there. It's called grace, baby. See? No, you didn't earn it. And we try to work for him. He says, I'm giving you a gift of salvation. doesn't cost you money, but it's going to cost you your life. Hmm. You have to, we have to hear and see the brutal honesty it takes to trust God. We need to get into the truth zone, y'all. If you had to make a choice, you, you, had, uh, you have to, oh, notes, I say that's what's wrong with these, these iPads. They'll leave, you, leave your message, leave you high and dry on your message. It's all right. I got, I got it on paper. I ain't stupid. I ain't crazy. <laughs> you better have it in your heart, preacher, even if that fails. <laughs> they won't be inviting you back anytime soon. Let me just lay it down. You have to make a choice on what your future would look like with that thing that God has promised you. Have you visualized what it would look like and feel like? Have you visualized your life without that achievement? If God gave you a dream, that means he doesn't want your life to stay the way it is. He wants it to move. And he's not in it just to give you that thing. He's in it for the process, all the stuff you're going to get along the way. We get so impatient with God, but that's the thing that makes you grow. This hey, between amen and glory to God, I got it. This is the real reward in here. And when I just, come on, Jesus, come on. I mean, give it to me in this very uh, fleshly, carnal state I am in right now. You understand God tricks us into believing him for stuff? Because he sees where we got to go, and what he wants out of us happens in the process. Because you can process yourself properly with God and trust him unwaveringly. When you get to that place, it becomes easy to handle that next place. And you become everything at that point he wants you to be. That's why he gives you things to want so that you'll grow. Man, we are cheap. We don't want to give up anything to get something. We don't want to work. We don't want to dig in. Sandra and I made a hard choice about physical health. Man, you know, it's going to shock you. I'm 63 years old. I know it shocks you. I know it's a shock. <laughs> but come on, just settle down. All right? <laughs> 63 years old. Thank you. See, there's five people who believe me. And taking care of this vessel. But you know, the Lord said, ratchet it up to another level. And I said, how, God? And he did it with us together. He said, no more sugar for you. Gave you your wife. She all the sugar you need. <laughs> yeah. That don't mean I don't eat sweet stuff, but I just don't eat no more of that. You know, I don't want to make you feel bad because this ain't about that. This is a guilt-free zone. Say guilt-free guilt zone. zone. I'm talking about me. All right? All right? Yeah. No more sugar and no more bread. I know. Got you, Carter, didn't I? Got you, Baxley, didn't I? Yeah. No bread. Carbohydrates cut them down. I found out our body produces most carbohydrates anyway. You know, and I was eating them, you know, them, I'm hungry. You know, them vanilla Oreos, <laughs> you know, the one and, and, the, and the lemon kind. And man, every time I look at it, I finish it, she always bringing me more. And the, the uh, Lay's hot heat, heat barbecue uh, chips. She would always keep them in there. 
you know, and I have a little weight I could, I could have gained and all, but I, man, my stomach was starting to come out too. And my suit was going to, you know, man, I got to do something. Why are you going to say, I got to do something, Lord help me. He'll, he'll take you somewhere, don't even know you walked into your destiny. A guy walked up, and anyway, there's a long story, short story of it. We're in a program where we're doing, uh, it's, an ex- it's a comprehensive program, exercise, nutrition, my spine. Talk about an unflattering truth. Man, I thought I just had it all together. Man, I got a curve on my hips. I know I say I walk. Maybe I learned how to walk. Man, my hips is like this. And I found out this, this last vertebra, this lumbar, and the rest of it is sticking back like that. And I said, oh, man, that's not cool. When I saw the x-ray, that ain't even cool. So now we're working on all of that. Man, you think I'm fine now. You watch when I come back here. <laughs> what? 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 Man, I'm going to have to wear a mask. I'm going to have to put on big old clothes. It's going to be, woo. Sandra, too, man. I'm going to tell you, you know, your wife never has to lose weight, brothers. But she done lost about t- almost 20 pounds or something already. She don't need to lose no weight, but that's how much she lost. Let me finish. I ain't got much time left. Y'all messing around with me. <laughs> the unflattering truth about yourself and then the presence of unwavering trust. Romans 4 and 18. Listen to this. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. He never saw all those kids. But you know what? We exist. You are one of them. He got kids from every nation on earth. And Jesus, as a physical son of Abraham, said to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every ethnic group. And it's been spread and being spread. This church is a part of it. We are. Spread the word of God. And the more come in, the more his family grows. This man made a decision way back then, and it's still reaping fruit, and will reap it for eternity. He made a hard choice. How do you get to the place where you are unwavering in your faith? Romans 10, 17 declares, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You can't work up faith. That's the problem. I'm just going to believe. You know, that ain't how you do faith. Faith is something you receive. It starts with believing that God exists. Hebrews said that. He that comes to God must first believe that he is. That's the basis of everything else you believe. If you believe God is and that he is a rewarder of those who casually follow him. No, diligently seek him. See, your definition of diligence and mine are quite different from God sometimes. I've been trying hard. I go to church at least once every two months. And I, I read Jesus wept last week. Come on, man. It, that, that ain't diligent. Diligent sometimes when you're straining everything in you. Diligent when you say, I'll just read for five minutes. You read 15. I'll just read 15. No, go an hour a day. Pray, ask him, talk to him. Y'all speaking tongues around here? Some of y'all? Yeah, that too, man. Got to do it. I do it every day of my life. Man, I got an adversary out there. I need to be praying stuff I don't understand so that he don't understand it, so God can understand it, so God can come and 
bless my life with what I prayed that I would not have prayed with my own mouth because I didn't know. Oh, I was too scared. It's a great gift. You need to do it. The sermon's not about that, but uh, that's all right. Just throw that in there. James says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is un as unsettled as a wave of the sea. This is not on the notes. You can look at me now. And I say, that's why I say the Bible says. When I say the Bible says, it's not on the notes, all right? <laughs> a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed. Thank you, Sheila. Uh, uh, blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. It's all about consistently pressing forward. Jesus said in John, Jesus said in John 8.31, right, and 32, he says, if you continue in my word, that means keep going, be tenacious, keep going, uh, then you shall be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. I told you the truth will do some great things for you. When you know what's right, what's true, and you continue in it, believing God. I could have preached a sermon out of this, this very, these couple of verses themselves. Make an unflattering assessment of the facts in your life. The facts that you have at, dispose, at your disposal right now are all the facts you need to get to the next place. Be brutal enough with the circumstances of your life that you say, tell me the truth. And they might not might be wrong with it, but at least you're able to absorb and hear what they have to say. Most times your friends are right about you. Truth is, your enemy's right at least half the time about you. You need enemies. Looking at me like I'm out of my mind. You need enemies. If the world didn't have any enemies, the Christians would be so flabby, it would be beggar description. Do you understand? The Lord says, love your enemies. How are you going to do that if you ain't got none? You got to obey God. I know that's kind of convoluted logic, but y'all hear it? You need enemies to love them. People got to steal from you for you to give them extra. You're laughing. That's Bible. People got to use you. They're always talking about it, always using me, calling me everything. He said, pray for people who do that. How in the world are you going to do that unless you have somebody doing it? And eventually, I hope you see, I ain't got nothing. No, you don't know yet. I'm in the prophesy. Reveal those kind of people to them this week. Let them be able to handle it and pray for those feet. That's how you grow in the things of God. Resistance. See? All right. Unflattering assessment. <laughs> there is pain in unflattering truth, but you have to hear it. You must have unwavering trust in God. It must be present. And finally, the power of unyielding, tenac unyielding tenacity. Have you ever given thought to what a fruit tree endures as it grows? No, we just walk up and grab it up. We don't even have fruit trees anymore. We just go down to the stove. Just go to the S-T-O. I said it, stove. Yeah, I'm from Baxley. Yeah, to the stove. Used to have Piggy Wiggly when I was down there. They got a TG&Y and stuff down there now. What they got now? What they got? They got, they got a Walmart. You got a Walmart grocery store? Or just a Walmart regular? And a, and a what? And got Harvey's. That's big for Baxley. Talking about Baxley bigging up. That's what my cousin down there used to always say. All right. 
fruit tree. Seasonal changes. Drought, floods, <clears throat> savannah, hurricane, <laughs> freezing cold, heat, bugs, disease, animals that try to spoil it. Don't forget about all the years when there's no outward evidence there's any, any fruit. That tree doesn't pull itself up and say, I want to be planted over here. It stays right there and waits on God. You can walk around and don't trust him. The tree stands there and waits. Man, I hear the air conditioning is so quiet in here. Y'all hear that? <laughs> quiet, y'all thinking. Romans 4 and 20. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. This man became our symbol of, and our prototype of overcoming by faith. Man, that's a good type. I'm going to name a church that one day. That's, isn't that be catchy? Overcoming by faith. Wait a minute, I think that's already been done. He became our prototype because what was opposing him was, was no match with what was processing inside of him. Mm. No price was too high for them to hit him to pay because the gold was worth more to him than what he was asked to pay for it. You don't pay for anything unless you believe the price is worth that thing. We try to get bargains and pay less, but we don't ever want to pay more than what something is. Abraham did everything he did because the price was not too high. When you walk with God, you got to understand that everything he tells you to do, every price he tells you to pay is not too high a price. You got to believe that. You got to believe that. You got, don't make yourself believe it. Just hang around him. Watch the things he does. And when you see it, you get inspired. You ever hung around somebody who had faith and you felt inspired too? God is like that. You hang around him. You start believing crazy stuff. You start believing stuff that nobody else around you believes. You ever think about what happens when an egg is broken from the outside? Sure, No, you don't. You just break it and eat that thing. This fragile little thing, you break it from the outside, and what's inside of it dies. I'm talking on the farm. I don't tell them the stuff they do in the store. You know, hopefully that stuff ain't growing in them stores. But, you know, on the farm, where we're from, there's things growing inside those things. But if that eggshell is broken from the outside, whatever's inside is going to die. But if that egg is broken from the inside, Whatever is inside there is going to live. Here's the question. What are you going to let break you? Hmm? You going to let the world break you? These people don't know what they're doing. Um, I'm going to try to use the street language that God said, told Jonah, sitting on the side of the road trying to watch Nineveh go down in flames. And he says, why are you mad at these people? They have just repented. The dogs, everybody was, everybody was repenting. I'm telling you, laughing. It's cattle and all that. They put sackcloth and everything. Everybody repented. King all the way down. And, um, and, uh, and he says, I still want them to die. And the Lord says, why are you doing this? These people don't know they're... I'm going to make it nice in our vernacular. They don't know their heads from a hole in the ground. And those of you who are laughing know the other way to say that. <laughs> They don't know the left hand from the right hand. Why? They don't know. God came to tell them. The world doesn't know, people. 
and they come to try to crush you because you represent a threat. You're marching to a different drummer. You're marching, you're offbeat. No, no, no. I hear a different drummer. I hear the right drummer. Y'all need to get in step with me. And it makes them angry. And they try to crush you from the outside. They try to crack you. But God got you covered. You understand what I'm saying? He's got you incubated. It's not going to come apart until he says it comes apart. And when it comes apart, it will come apart because you broke through with his power. He's waiting on you to pip, 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 pip. Pip, pip on this circumstance. These walls that are, are keeping you from the whole world that God's giving you. Pip, pip, crack, crack, pop, pop. Somebody told me yesterday, it was a brother, uh, Solomon Baker, said, he said, he gives that little chick a special beak just for hitting on the, the wall of the thing. And eventually that beak will come off and his living beak shows up and, um, and, he, and he breaks through. It is not what is outside of you that's supposed to crush you. It is what is on the inside that's supposed to break through. You won't be able to look at eggs the same way again. This is a hero. Hallelujah. Hold on, come on down here. But something's got to die for you to live. Is that right? Conclusion. Abraham became the big example of faith because he accepted unflattering truths. He trusted God with his life and his future, and he held on with dogged determination and tenacity. And he's going to reap everything. Verse 17 of Romans uh, 4 says, This happened because Abraham believed in the God, listen, who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That's the God I like. I don't know about y'all's gods. My God can bring something out of nothing, and when you kill it, it rises back from the dead. My God, I love that kind of God. There is no other philosophy or religion on the face of the earth like ours. God himself loved us so much to come down here and be one of us. Live the life, show us how to do it, and then up and die by our hands. Take our sin on him, what a loving God, and give us his righteousness. Die under the penalty of it and raise back up from the dead to be the executor of the will that he left before he died. I love that kind of God. And you worry about your rent getting paid. You already believe the hardest thing there is possible to believe. What idiot believes that God becomes a human being? What fool thinks you can kill the God-man? What idiot thinks that you're going to torture him with everything the world has to offer and call that success? Man, people have told me before, yeah, man, he was a good guy, had a lot of good sayings, but, you know, they caught him right in the middle of his plan and they killed him. Dude, ah, that was the plan. How could that be success? How could failure be success? And then you're going to tell me he done rotted three days in the grave, had 75 pounds of all kind of ointment and stuff on him. He break through that and walk out the tomb without having to have the stone rolled away. Somebody had to roll it to let us see what was inside. That's why it was rolled away. And now he rose from the dead. That's a, you idiots have to believe that. 
You got to be an idiot in the world's eyes. I understand why they don't believe this stuff. This stuff sounds ridiculous. Here's the problem. It is a provable fact of history, and atheists who try to examine it start running from God or running to God because they see this actually happened. What you going to do with it? See, don't fight with people. Just talk about the resurrection. Don't fight with them. Did God rise from the dead? Don't let them, don't let them, don't let them, let them take you out there. One thing. Man, these people came to my house. They shouldn't have come to my house. And they came out. I, they came and sat husband and wife. They, they doubled up on me. Sandra said, oh, he got it. Let me go back here and do my thing here. They were pretty challenging. And finally says, well, well if he's God, uh, uh, it, it, was the, it, was, it was Jehovah that raised him from the dead. I said, he is Jehovah. She said, what are you talking about? I said, I said how, could a, she, how could a man raise himself from the dead? I said, you ready? She says, yes. I said, destroy this temple and I will raise it back up. She goes, when it was all over, she said, well, you surely made us think today. I thought I was going to get them saved, man. I was going for the home run. I invited them back. They're supposed to come back when you invite. I ain't seen them yet. It was cold outside when they came. I ain't seen them yet. And they might come back. They better be ready. Don't come, come a giant walking up on me. I didn't tell them who I was. It didn't matter who I was. I'm a child of God. You can know everything I know. All right, let me finish. You believe that God can bring the dead back to life already. All you need is to become fruitful in all you do. These are the elements that empower your faith. You got to hear the real truth about you. You got to trust God with the process. And you got to be tenacious no matter what. You be the egg that breaks it from the inside, not the outside. Stand up on your feet. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's okay to clap before God and give him praise. Can you out loud say this with me? Lord, Lord do, not me do not give me dreams the size of my abilities. But give me abilities. The, you got to do me hands like this. The size of my dream. Isn't that good? One more time. Do not give me dreams. The size of my abilities. But give me abilities. Come on. The size of my dreams. Clap your hands and give God praise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. True trust tenacity. That's all it takes. Hang around God. He will bring somebody to tell you the truth. And you got to trust him. And you never give up because you know that you know that you know the truth. My head ain't big enough for this. I'm not picking up a pastor, but it, my head just keeps moving. Yeah, I all laugh. I'm not serious. I ain't laughing, see. They keep moving on me. I ain't used to expensive stuff. That's what it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ain't he good? Ain't he all right? Yes. And Vanessa Bell Armstrong says, there's something inside so strong. I know that I can make it, though you're doing me wrong. Woo! He says, she says, the, the higher you build my barrier, the taller I will stand. The further you take my rights away, the faster I will run. You can't stop me. You can't deny me. 
You can't decide to take my rights away. No matter, because something inside this egg is so strong. I know that I can make it. Don't matter if you're doing me wrong. I refuse to stay the way I am. You got nobody to blame or give the credit to but yourself and God. Blame yourself, credit to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Seal these truths. Just one something that was said by you today that to push them forward just a little bit. It's just 1% change at a time. It's not big old stuff. Just 1% at a time. How about 1% change every day? 1% change a month. Lord, you're not in a huge hurry. Just a little at a time. Maintain it and just add a little more. Man, you got 12% change in a year. Eight years, you done changed 100%. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Under the sound of my voice, heads are bowed before the Lord and courteous for the sake of people around you. If there's anyone in this room, you said, you know what, Pastor Gray, I heard what you said about faith and all that. Something stirred inside of me. I realized I need God. I need to give my heart to God. I need to start a life with Jesus. I need to be what people call born again. I need Jesus in my heart, and I want to ask him in my heart today, and I want to wait a day longer. Please don't wait a day longer. This is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Now, right there where you stand, if that's you, you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me. Right there where you stand, I don't need to call you down there. Right there, just raise your hand and signify, I'm giving my heart to Jesus right now. Come on, raise it up. Raise your hand up. I'm, I'm looking around here. Raise it high so I can see your hand. I see you right here in front of me, sister. I'm sorry. You're right in front. Of me. Could you clap? That's all right to do. It. Anybody else? I'm looking around. Can't be just one person in here. She has humility and courage. Do you have the same thing? Humility and courage. I'm looking around. Raise it high now so I can see your hand. I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't know what you're waiting on. There's nothing anymore coming. It gets harder and harder, not easier and easier as you grow older, friend. Raise it high over your hand. He's so thankful for this one because heaven rejoices when there's one. Somebody say, hallelujah. Touch the hand, please. Touch the hand of somebody next to you. Touch their hand. Hold the hand like, a, like God would hold a hand. He don't squeeze you to death, all right? And he don't act like, oh, well, whatever. He, he, he's, he's a nice hold on his hand. And what you're going to do is usher her into the presence of God. You don't know whether that's you standing by her, her beside her or not. Let's pray together. Please, sister, pray with me. They're going to drown you out. That's how we, we're from Georgia. We, we drown people out. Can you pray with me? Oh, God, I believe in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was dead for three days. On the third day, early in the morning, he rose up from the dead and is alive forevermore. And the same power that raised him from the dead, resurrection power, is raising me right now. Thank you, Lord. You have just saved me on the inside. And I thank you for it. And you're going to walk with me and I with you for the rest of my days. In the name of Jesus, clap your hands and say, Amen. Heaven rejoices. 